Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus. Also, we'll have our next, uh, we have another series coming up after this one that you won't want to miss. It's a four-week series. It'll start on December 30th, and then, uh, I guess that's the decision, December 30th, and then the first three Sundays of the month, it's going to be called, the first uh, sermon is called The Old You, and we're talk about how we need to leave the past behind as we come into the new year. We're going to leave that past behind, and then we're going to go into the new year, the three weeks on the new you. We're going to talk about, uh, we're going to talk about uh, fear, we're going to talk about anxiety, uh, and and the uh, enjoy, and we're also going to talk about addictions or habits in your life that we believe God in 2019. We're going to be a people who are free of fear but full of faith. We're going to be a people in 2019 that have eradicated anxiety and are full of joy. We're going to be people in 2019 that are not bogged down by the habits of our past but live in the freedom of Christ in 2019. And we're going to leave that darn past behind us. Amen. Hallelujah. Just kidding. I don't normally do that. For those of you who are visiting today, like, oh, this is a weird church. (laughs) Don't worry. Come on. It'll be fun. Come on out and join us. And it's going to be a really, really great time. And you won't want to miss it. Come on. Well, we're going to get into our uh, our third week in this series called The Gift. And... um, uh, this series had a different agenda when I wrote the message, the series uh, several months back. And when we got closer to it, I just really felt like God wanted me to kind of take a turn. And each week, God's taken a turn. The first week, we talked about the idea of the, the gift. Uh, the question is, why was Jesus born? Why did Jesus come to earth? What was the point? And so the first week, we talked about uh, the idea that, the, that he gave us the gift of peace, the, the gift of shalom. And the idea there was that when Jesus came to earth, he actually brought peace with God that, that people did not have prior. And the peace of God, that is, it's like out of this world. It's like another galaxy, another universe. Uh, it transcends our natural world, the peace that comes from God in your life. But first, you have to have peace with God. And so we talked about the idea that the gift of peace. Last week, we talked about the gift of grace. And we talked about how when Jesus came, as a follower of Jesus Christ, you got, when God looks at you, he, now you are actually faultless in the eyes of God, which means not only do you have Jesus living in you, but you have to step into the position that God has given you that now in Christ, you are not just... Uh, Christ isn't just in you, you are now in Christ. And when God looks at you, he sees a holy, righteous, blameless, pure son and daughter of God and your sins have been removed as far as the east is from the west. God does not see you any longer like you think he sees you. He sees you pure, righteous, and faultless in his eyes. That's that's a wonderful reason to serve God, amen? And so this week we're gonna kind of move on in this journey uh, and as I kind of... get close to ending this series, I really feel like the purpose of this series was to get some people unstuck, uh, to get some people unstuck in their walk with God. Maybe you're here today and you say, Ryan, I don't go to church or I'm far from God. I haven't been to church in a long time. Or maybe you say, I used to go to church. I want to welcome you today. And I really pray that today uh, the message, you'll not only laugh a little bit, thank the Lord, uh, you'll have some fun because we value that at our church, but also you'll hear uh, the message of Jesus Christ. My wife loves Christmas movies. And I didn't realize this until this year. Anytime I try to turn on the television, I was like, is there a Christmas movie on? <laughs> and you know, we've all seen these Christmas movies a thousand times. And it doesn't matter for her. And her favorite Christmas movie is The Preacher's Wife. 
Now, I don't really like The Preacher's Wife because I feel like the angel's kind of hitting on that girl. It feels a little odd. It's a little bit a weird movie, so that's a little bit scandalous, girl. But uh, if you haven't seen it, watch it. But um, it's, I guess it's a really good movie because I just can't stand it because the, pe- the preacher on there is just a real jerk. It's Whitney Houston, but the preacher's a jerk. And that ain't me, girl. She also loves The Miracle on 40, 34th Street. How many of you have seen that? I've actually never seen that movie. Is it? Should I see it? Okay. I'm going to see it in black and white. Hello. Old school, girl. Come on, how about the elf? Some of you are offended at the elf. I think it's hilarious. I think it's hilarious. They're singing. I'm singing. Oh, this, is my fan. this is actually a personal favorite of mine, Home Alone. Uh, this is the reason my son never wants to be home alone. <laughs> so he probably should have let him watch it when he was two. Just kidding. Uh, but um, this is a, a great, great movie. And these movies all reflect this idea of this kind of Christmas kind of spirit, this Christmas joy. Every year around Christmas, um, it comes to this time and this season. I'm American, so I can't celebrate Christmas until after American Thanksgiving. But for you Canadians, you've been celebrating since March. But like... <laughs> As you come into this Christmas season, you, you just begin to feel these, like, feelings. You go into the mall, and South Center Mall's got their big tree. Even Chinook's even got a bigger tree. And you're going to walk in the mall, despite the, the craziness. You just feel this kind of, like, spirit. It's just this sense of, like, man, it's kind of a gooey feeling on the inside. You know, it's romantic. And you're just thinking about gift-giving. And, you know, it's just, there's actually a phrase that they use as you watch these different movies. Uh, there's two phrases. But the first phrase I often hear in these movies is, Tis the season. It's tis the season uh, to be jolly. This actually song, Deck the Halls, Deck the Halls with Bells of Holly. Have you ever seen the movie Christmas Story? One of our favorites, A Christmas Story, that goes, have you ever seen it? Is this an American thing? You know, they can't, they, 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 they blow up their dinner and they have to go to the Chinese restaurant and these wonderful people are just trying to make them feel hospitable and it's not necessarily their thing to sing these songs and they're just learning English and it's really funny, you know, deck the halls of bows up, rah, 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 you know, they're laughing at the table and, you know, the, but there's a phrase in there that says, tis the season to be jolly. That word, that phrase, tis the season, actually means it is the season. Like, it is the season to be jolly. It's this idea that, that whenever you give a gift to someone or I watched a, uh, another Christmas movie and, you know, they did something nice and at the end of it they said, whoa, that was really nice. And he says, tis the season. It is the season. The, the phrase there is that this season is about, it is the season for joy. It, it is the season for cheer. It is the season for love. It is the season for generosity. This is just, it is that type of season. Another phrase that often I hear is this idea of the Christmas spirit, or that one where people say, well, it's just the spirit of Christmas. You know, but I get these gooey feelings, and I enjoy the, the, the Christmas season, and I enjoy everything about it, and it's so much fun. But how did maybe last night, right, we were having dinner, and we asked the question, what do you like better, Christmas Eve or Christmas Day? And my, my, my mother-in-law said, oh, I like Christmas Eve because on Christmas Day, it just feels like it's over. I just get this, this, it's kind of sad. I get to like to the 20, you know, 26th Boxing Day, you know, and then I get to 27th, and then we get a little bit of hope because there's New Year's Eve parties, and those are always fun. But then on New Year's Day, it's like, oh, now I got to go on a diet. (laughs) On New Year's Day, you start to like think about, oh, now I got to go back to work, and oh, I got to, you know, I got to talk to my kids again, just kidding. Like, like, I got to, like, get back into the grind of life. And, like, oh, like, you just start to feel, I mean, I don't, maybe I'm just an emotional person, but I just tend to get in January, and you start to feel like, okay, like, all right, well, that was kind of, that was fun. But 
I just start to feel, sometimes I feel maybe a little bit of loneliness or maybe a little bit of sadness or, or maybe the Christmas season ends and you just feel like you don't feel that spirit of Christmas any longer. You know, it's interesting because that spirit of Christmas is something that is much deeper than maybe we realize. That Christmas spirit, that it is the season, that for a, a, a certain period of time, there is a moment in our year where everyone begins to feel this spirit. They begin to feel this realm. They begin to feel this joy, this generosity, this charity. They begin to feel a spirit of Christmas. And I'm here to tell you today that there is something deeper about that spirit of Christmas that you feel. In fact, you're feeling something that is very, very important for you to understand today. There is something behind the veil of the Santa Claus and the Santa Claus 1, 2, and 3. 2 is the best. And all these different movies and shopping and experiences where there's joy and there's peace a bit of its carnality a bit of its human it's okay I enjoy it too but there is something in in between it all that is something today about the kingdom of God it's this spirit of Christmas and I want to read a, a text to you today from uh from Luke chapter one and this just popped out at me when I read it in Luke chapter 1, verses 31 to 33, the angel is coming to Mary, talking to Mary about the birth of her son. And it says, very soon now, you will become pregnant and have a baby boy, and you are to name him Jesus. He shall be very great and shall be called the Son of God. And the Lord God shall give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he shall reign over Israel forever. Look at this, bolded. His kingdom shall never end. His kingdom will never end. That just popped out at me like I was wearing 3D goggles. It was like, whoop, it just came out at me. Like one of those pictures you cross your eyes for a long time and the picture comes out. <laughs> Imagine we read my Bible. It just popped out at me. And the idea that this kingdom will never end. The scripture says that Jesus will be great. He'll be called the son of God. His kingdom will not stop. His kingdom will never have an end point. So after the 25th and after the 26th and after the 31st and after the 1st, when you and I are feeling this sense of loneliness or disconnection or back to the grind or purposelessness or even a death inside of us, God's kingdom, the kingdom of Jesus Christ, will never, ever end. It simply continues. And after you get back to work and after you get back in your normal grind, the kingdom of God will never, ever end. So the spirit of Christmas that you're experiencing, that spirit of generosity, that spirit of love, that spirit of joy, I want you to know that you are tasting a little bit of what the kingdom of God feels like. For those of you in the room today that maybe um, aren't Christians or aren't uh, followers of God or you haven't been to church in a while, for those of you today who've been to church every Sunday and you're, you know God, when you experience those feelings of joy and peace in your life during the spirit of Christmas, tis the season you are experiencing, you are contacting, you are rubbing up against the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God comes down only through one person, Jesus Christ. We ask a question today, why did Jesus come to earth? And I'm going to talk about a bit about that today. But Jesus actually teaches on this kingdom, or Paul here in this scripture in Romans chapter 14, 17. Look what the verse says, talking about this kingdom. 
For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking what one likes. Another translation, this second translation, for those of you who are looking for a simple translation, this is the International Children's Bible. In the kingdom of God, eating and drinking are not important. Now, I have to admit, how many of you, just like me, get around Christmas time, and you just kind of throw the rules out the door? You know, you just think, I'm going to eat those desserts, and I'm going to enjoy those drinks, and, you know, not gluttony and not drunkenness, but I'm just going to enjoy. I'll get back on that treadmill on January 27th. And then again on February 19th. <laughs> How many of you know that, okay, the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but in this case, sometimes I just feel like I want it to be. This season is about those things, and it's okay to eat, and it's okay to drink, and it's okay to have fun, but you have to know that the kingdom of God is actually not about those things. What the kingdom of God is about, the kingdom of God is a matter of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost and the Holy Spirit. Romans 14, 17 in the International Children's Bible. In the kingdom of God, the important things are living right with God, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So when you experience joy, when you experience peace, when you begin to hear that, that you watch the nativity movie or you watch a, a narrative of Jesus being born, what you are seeing is what it looks like to be right with God. You are experiencing the kingdom of God. But you have to know something very important. That before Jesus was born to this earth, did you know that God's kingdom did not reign on the earth? And in fact, when Jesus was born on the earth, it was the first time for all of, for all of humanity. At that moment, in that season, when, when Jesus was born to earth, when God came to earth, it was the first time in many years where the kingdom of God actually came to earth. In fact, theologians, and, and, and as you see, if you turn from uh, the, the, the Old Testament to the New Testament, that one page is about five, 500 to 700 years where there was complete silence, where the, the God was unheard of. The only place you could find God was in the temple behind that holy of holy veil in the temple of God that would go through all these sanctimonious ceremonial things to get into the presence of God, to go around the veil, to experience that manifest presence of God. The kingdom of God was found in that one spot. And so all throughout the earth, there was only one other kingdom that ruled in that place. It's very important we understand that that kingdom still has its place even in today's world. There's another kingdom, and this kingdom is the kingdom of this world. It's the kingdom of darkness. And Jesus actually teaches us about this kingdom. Look what he says in Luke chapter 133. He shall reign over Israel forever. I'm sorry, next verse, Luke 4. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of this world, talking to Jesus. And Satan said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me. They are mine. Look at this next verse in John 14, 30. I don't have much more time to talk to you because the ruler of this world, Jesus talking to his disciples, talking about the devil, the ruler of this world approaches and he has no power over me. Look at this in Luke chapter 12, 31. For the time uh, for judging this world has come when Satan, the ruler of this world, will be cast out. Look at this next one. Paul in 2 Corinthians 4, 4. Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. 
They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. And so we see in this verse, in these verses that Jesus taught us, and Paul teaches us that there was another kingdom at work, that prior to Jesus coming to earth, another kingdom was at work, and Satan, the God of this world, the God of this age, has complete dominion and authority over it all. In fact, it says that the devil is at work blinding the minds of those who don't believe. Meaning, he is currently at work in the world today. So when you bump up against the spirit of Christmas and you're experiencing this joy that you can't explain, and then on January 3rd, when you start to feel that discouragement settling in again, you're experiencing the kingdom of God and the kingdom of this world, the kingdom of the darkness. You are living in it. It's all around us. It's on the planet that we live on today. So when you feel that overwhelming discouragement or you feel that overwhelming anxiety or you feel like you you can't manage life and it just feels like it's up to here. You think something's wrong with you? Uh-uh. You are living amongst the kingdom of this other world. And you're bumping up against it and you're experiencing the effects of what this ruler in this world has for every one of us and it is death for our lives. And actually John, Jesus' best friend, teaches us the very purpose in which Jesus came to earth. This is the most clear scripture you'll find about why Jesus came to earth. And he says this in 1 John chapter 3, 8. But for this purpose, the Son of God came. That word came is the word manifested. It means to be exposed, to be plainly recognized, to be revealed. It means that at a time that was kept hidden, there was a secret. It wasn't something that was veiled. It wasn't something that no one saw. It came unexpectedly. They didn't know where it came from. In fact, this kingdom had actually been kept hidden in the dark since the foundations of time until this very moment. That's why Christmas is so valuable and so important for us to celebrate because it was the very strategic moment in which God, the creator of the universe, decided that I'm going to send my son, Jesus Christ, down to the earth amongst the kingdom of darkness at this perfect time. Look what it says in Matthew chapter 13, 11. Jesus answered them, you've been given knowledge about, look at this, the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. Matthew 13, 35. This was to fulfill what was declared by the prophet. I will open my mouth to speak in parables. Look at this. I will declare what has been hidden from the foundation of the world. Paul says it again in Colossians 1. This mystery has been kept in the dark for a long time, but now it's out in the open. God wanted everyone, not just Jews, to know this rich and glorious secret inside and out, regardless of their background, regardless of their religious standing. God chose at this very moment to reveal his kingdom to the earth, knowing that the kingdom of darkness had complete ownership, rule, reign, and authority over all of the earth. And God chose from the very foundations of time, before time began, at this moment, I'm going to send my son, Jesus Christ. He's going to come as a, a baby boy, born, born to a virgin Mary. He's going to live a sinless life. He's going to die a criminal's death, be buried for three days, and on that third day, he will rise again from the dead and visit over 500 different uh, eyewitnesses seeing this man who they once walked with now has risen from the dead. God chose at this one time to reveal this, but there is a reason why he did that. The scripture says in 1 John 3.8, but for this purpose, the Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. He didn't just come to bring us cheer. He didn't just come to make things great. 
He didn't just come for all the reasons that we know, though he may have come for a lot of those reasons. The reason that Jesus came was to destroy the power and the authority of Satan in our lives. He came to destroy the works of the devil. Look at the definition of destroying. To loose any person that is tied up or bound up. To set free anyone bound in chains, to discharge from prison, to demolish, to overthrow, and to do away with. Look at the word works, something built with the hand, enterprise, or business. Now let's put it all together. The very purpose of this secret mystery, this kingdom of God that came to earth was to completely demolish the business that has been built by the devil's hand and set free and release you from prison and the chains that have been on top of your life. Look at this scripture. I'm just throwing scriptures at you today. I hope that's all right with you. International Children's Bible, 2 Timothy 1. God saved us and made us holy people. That was not because of anything we did ourselves, but because of what he wanted and because of his grace. That grace was given to us through Christ Jesus before time began. It was not shown to us until our Savior Jesus Christ came. Look at this. Jesus destroyed death. And through the good news... He showed us the way to have life that cannot be destroyed. Another translation, it is he who saved us, chose us for his holy work, not because we deserved it, but because that was his plan long before the world began to show Christ. Look at this, who broke the power of death and showed us the way of everlasting life through trusting in him. That when Jesus Christ came, he destroyed the very power of death in your life. Now, I bet you if I sat down and just an appointment with you, we had coffee together, we eaten a meal, and I said, hey, how's your life going? I bet you in about 15 minutes I could identify there's some death in your life. There's some discouragement that's been overwhelming you in your life. There's some addiction that you've been dealing with in your life. There's some distance from God in your life. I bet you if I sat down with you and we had a long out, drawn out conversation, we, we talked about your life. I bet you the conclusion at the end is that we would both identify. There's times in my life when I feel like death is on the inside of me. I feel like my dreams have died. I feel like my marriage is falling apart. I feel like my finances are in disarray. I feel like my children don't like me very much. I don't know what to do with them. I don't know what to, what to say or how to, how to act or how to be a parent. I feel death inside of me. I feel disconnected every time I engage myself into that activity. Every time I go to that place, every time I'm with that friend, I leave feeling just so dead on the inside. Every one of us here, even though you might be a follower of Jesus Christ, still experiences this death. And the reason is, is because in Genesis chapter 2, do you remember? I shared on this for about five weeks. Remember this verse in Genesis where it says that God had made Adam and Eve and he gave them one thing. He only said two statements to them. One was about relationship and this one was about their relationship with God. And he said, but now you are free from the power. Oh, I'm sorry, but the Lord God warned him, you may freely eat the fruit of the, fruit of the tree of gar in the garden except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Look at this. If you eat its fruit, look at this, you are sure to die. So that means every single person in this room today is experiencing, will experience two types of death. The obvious death that we all dread is the, the, the death and the loss of our life when we will no longer be present on this earth in physical body. The second death that we all experience is the death on the inside. And the way we compensate for the death on the inside is we work tirelessly at our job or we are in lots of unhealthy relationships or maybe it's a, a, an unhealthy habit of drugs or alcohol or pornography or some sort of addictive thing or, or maybe you just you disengage or maybe you, you're passive or maybe you play video games or maybe you go binge on Netflix. I don't know, that's not a problem because I do that all the time, so that's, that one's okay. 
Just kidding. I don't know what did you do to compensate for it, but there's something on the inside of you, and I want you to know that death that you feel came from one man's decision to no longer follow God. He said, I'm no longer going to do what God wants, even though I'm experiencing a euphoric, perfect relationship with God. God says, everything will be perfect if we stay together, but if you choose this tree, you're going to die, and you're going to experience not only the effects of physical death, but you will have death on the inside. This isn't just a problem for people who are far from God. This is a problem for people who are close to God. That every one of us feels this, the result of that one man, Adam, who sinned and fell short and experiences death. Experience the, the death of life. We experience the death of our dreams. We experience the death of the things that we're facing in our life, we continually are experiencing death. This year, I, um, I experienced a loss in my life for the first time, I think, in my life that really, really made impact. My, my grandfather and my grandparents died when I was young. My uncle died when I was about 10 of a brain tumor. But I've, I've experienced not a lot of death that would impact me directly. This year, I did. One of the closest mans, I would, I would consider him like a father figure to me, definitely a spiritual father. He built an amazing ministry. He was the, the, the elder at our church, very, very close to me. And when my Uncle Dick died, it impacted me in such a way I did not prepare for. Now, I've never told anybody this, so this is a counseling moment, so uh, you're going to make some money on me today. <laughs> I remember sitting in front of my computer when all Steph and the kids were at school, and I think I did this for about three days. I just sat in front of the computer and I could not control it. I just wept. I just cried. I just, I just felt the grief. And I know some of you in this room have lost someone even recently. I, I can't even begin to imagine what it would be like for you to lose someone who is like really close to you. It just impacted me in such a way where I just felt this grief I'd never felt before. I felt this intense sadness that I just couldn't put my finger on, that I, I just didn't know how I was going to fix it. I remember saying to God, because he did come and preach, I said, God, I, 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 just, I wish you would have given him a little more time so he could see our, our church, because he was the one who told me to start a church, just so he could see our church grow. Like, I wish you could be here today to see all the people in the room today. I wish he could, you know, see my children when they grow up and when my son one day is going to preach. I just wish, and I'm sure that many of you in the room have experienced this sense of death where you say, man, I just wish, and I just, why did it have to happen like that? And why did it have to happen so soon? And why this and why that? It's this overwhelming sense of death comes into your life and you realize that this is all a result from one man's decision. One result. And now you and I experience this overwhelming trauma of death. We experience death physically. When you feel that grief, when you feel that sadness, when you get into that marriage relationship and you're just angry or frustrated and it's just not going well, what you are feeling is the death and the sin of Adam. The Bible says in Romans 6, 22, and now you are free from the power of sin and are slaves of God, and his benefits to you include holiness and everlasting life. For the wages of sin, Adam's sin, is death. Look at this. But the free gift of God is eternal life 
through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So you have to understand something that each of us are in this prison of death. And the very purpose in which Jesus came was to set you free from that. Now, did I experience the kingdom of this world? Yes. But was I able to get through it very quickly? Yes. Want to know why? Because I have a God living inside of me that gives me hope that I can't define. I have a God living inside of me, Jesus Christ, who gives me joy that's indescribable and peace that surpasses all understanding. So when I feel the kingdom of this world, the kingdom of God comes and totally counterattacks that and creates space in my life to be able to process and go through things in my life that I never would have been able to go through if it wasn't for the kingdom of God actively in my life. Look at this scripture in Hebrews, 12, Hebrews 2. Since all his children have flesh and blood, so Jesus became human to fully identify with us. He did this so that he could experience death and annihilate the effects of the intimidating accuser who holds against us the power of death. By embracing death, Jesus sets free those who live their entire lives in bondage to the tormenting dread of death. Now, you might be a young person here today, you say, I ain't thinking about death. Well, I'm 36 years old, I think about death sometimes. But I'm here to tell you today that I will never die. My body might pass away. my spirit man will live forever. Satan came to destroy the intimidating reality, the bondage to the tormenting dread of death physically and internally in your life. He came to destroy this in your life. I'm here to put a finger on how you've been feeling today. Some of you today, you feel pretty discouraged, you feel pretty distant, you feel pretty disconnected, you feel pretty far from God, you feel, and you just know that you gotta keep working, I just gotta keep pushing forward, I just gotta keep, I gotta keep moving because I don't wanna stop long enough to feel how I feel. What you're feeling is death. And a relationship with Jesus Christ comes and destroys the power that the enemy has over our lives. He destroys that death in our lives and he brings life and life abundantly. I'll tell you a story, there was a, a man... His name was Arnold Winkleried. Arnold Winkleried was a man, back in the 1300s, he was a Swiss patriot. In fact, if you went to Switzerland today, there would be a massive monument to Arnold. Switzerland at the time was a buffer state. So it was a state in which... Uh, it didn't really have an identity of its own. So when different nations wanted to uh, have a battle, they would go to Switzerland soil. They'd say, okay, you want to fight? I'll meet you at Switzerland. And they would go to Switzerland and they would have a battle in Switzerland because th they were this buffer state, this place in which everybody could come and fight on their soil. One day, there was a, a great army that was coming through. It, um, the, the historians believe it was either Austrian army or a German army, and they're just now believing that this legend is actually a true reality, that this German army was coming down into this town in, in what's called a, a phalanax. I hope I pronounced that right, a phalanax. And this picture here represents somewhat of a picture as the men would line up with their spears and it would be miles upon miles long. And just imagine this row of army of men about uh, you know, 20, uh, 20 wide and they would come down the mountain. Or here's another picture for you. And what they would do is, is they, would, they would go shoulder to shoulder and all the troops would be behind them. The artillery would be behind them and all the other weapons would be behind them. And these men would march in unison all the way towards their battlefield. 
And Arnold decided that this was enough. No more. I'm not going to allow this to happen on my state any longer. I'm not going to allow this to happen in my country any longer. And so he gets a, a blade that has different types of things on it. A bunch of these where we get the Swiss Army kind of concept from, you know, a, a, a blade that has different types of things on it. These peasants, these people were not warriors. He gathered them all together and he said, okay, guys, this is the last time this will happen again. We are tired of this enemy coming into our soil and having a battle. Arnold made up a plan. He knew there was only one way to conquer this enemy. And so as these men, these, this army marched towards them, as they moved towards the village, this mighty army, this mighty enemy, this mighty challenger, Arnold knew there was only one way to defeat this enemy. So with a war cry, Arnold, with his pitchfork in hand, ran directly into the very center of that phalanx. And as he moved close to, they moved close to the village with his cry of glory, he broke through that phalanx. He knew that if he could just get into the very heart of that phalanx, if he get into the very heart of that army, then it would break free and all the people in his army could rush in. And that's exactly what they did. Arnold ran into the center of this army and while the spears were being stabbed into his stomach and while the swords were coming down upon him and while the arrows were being shot upon him, Arnold did not make it very far. He died right there on the floor, but right on the heels behind him was this Swiss army with their pitchforks and their, their torches and they ran in. And that day, Arnold and the Swiss army pushed back the German army never to return again. Do you know that that's exactly what Jesus did for you? He went into the very, very center of the battalions of hell. He went, took the keys of death. He destroyed the works of the devil. He went right into the heart of the enemy and said, no longer can you have dominion and authority. You will no longer have the ability to have death over my people. They will no longer die in physical form and on the inside of them, I'm going to give them life. I'm going to give them life abundantly. I'm going to give them joy and peace and righteousness and holiness. I'm going to transform their lives and the people of God follow right behind Jesus. And in Jesus' death, we are made completely whole. Amen. See, that's what Jesus did for you and for me. I want to read one last verse this morning and then we're going to pray. I want to read a verse in 1 Corinthians 15. I'll read two verses. I lied to you. Let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. We will not all die. We will all be transformed and it will happen in a moment. In the blink of an eye when the last trumpet is blown for when the trumpet sounds, those who've died will be raised to live forever. And we who are living will also be transformed for our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die and our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. And then when our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that we will never die, the scripture will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? For sin is a sting that results in death and the law gives sin its power. But thank God, he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. Would you stand with me this morning as I read this last verse?
I'm using this freedom language because it's easy to picture. You can readily recall, can't you, how at one time, the more you did just what you felt like doing, not caring about others and not caring about God, the worse your life became and the less freedom you had. And how much different is it now that you live in God's freedom, your lives healed and expansive in holiness? Look at this. As long as you did what you felt like doing, ignoring God, you didn't have to bother with right thinking or right living or right anything for that matter. But do you call it a free life? What did you get out of it? Nothing you're proud of now. Where did it get you? A dead end. But now that you've found you don't have to listen to sin tell you what to do any longer and have discovered the delight of listening to God telling you what a surprise. Look at this. Look at this. A whole, healed, put together life right now. With more and more life on the way. Work hard for sin in your whole life and your pension is death. But God's gift is real life, eternal life delivered by Jesus our master. You know what Christ gives us today? Very simply. He gives you eternal life. The Bible very clearly teaches that one day when your physical body dies, you will go to one of two places, and that's what the Scripture teaches, and I hate teaching this. But Jesus very clearly teaches that when our physical body dies, the spirit man continues on. For those who have a relationship with Christ, for those who have a relationship with Him, they will spend an eternity with Christ forever. Their bodies will be renewed and they'll be restored back to the place of of Eden where they will experience a complete euphoric, uh, idealistic relationship with God and with the fellow man. It will be a perfect environment just like Eden. The heavenly environment will be something you and I were created for. The scripture very clearly teaches that when you and I die, we will spend an eternity in heaven or we will spend an eternity in hell. And because the cross of Jesus Christ, when he came to earth, he died so that you get to spend an eternity with him. Not only that, but guess what? It doesn't just happen when you die. This isn't just a confession of faith where you say, I'm a Christian, and then life continues. No, it means that right now, God begins to do something in your life forevermore. I sat with a guy this week, and he just said, Ryan, God's changing my life. He's transforming how I'm thinking. He's transforming how I'm living. He's changing my relationships. He's changing my mindsets. He's changing my heart. I have faith like never before. I have peace like never before. Do I still experience hard times? Yes, but now I can go through them like I never had before. God wants to transform your life right now forevermore in this world. He wants you to be full of life and joy and peace and hope. He wants you to be joy overwhelming in your heart. That's what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. He wants to transform your life in this life and in the life to come. Why don't you close your eyes with me today? I do this every week. I'm going to ask two questions. And all I want you to do today with every eye closed is just to respond with a hand lifted very quickly. You don't have to keep it up. The reason we do this is just to see who I'm praying for. I'm not going to call you forward or call you out. I just want to see who I'm praying for. So when I ask the question, just put your hand in the air and then just put it right down real quick. First question I want to ask is for those in the room who are followers of Jesus Christ. I just feel like today there's some people who've allowed this death. They've almost like you've given the keys back. And we've allowed discouragement or allowed fear or allowed this type of thing to control your mind, to control your life. It's controlled you, your shame, your guilt, your fear, your doubt. All of those things are the spirit of this world. God's kingdom does not function like that. And today, he wants to transform your thinking. If you're here today and you say, Ryan, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, but man, I just feel like there's some death in my life. 
And I just want you to pray for me today that that death that I'm experiencing would be eradicated, that Jesus came to kill that power of death in our lives. Come on, would you just raise your hand for me real quick? Come on, several hands across the room. Come on, just for a few more moments, put your hand in the air just so I can see you. There you go. Yeah, all across the room. Come on, let me pray for you right now. Father, I just pray for these people. What about 10 hands across this room today? I pray in the name of Jesus Christ right now, Father, that, Lord, they would be reminded today that, Lord, that you give them life and life abundantly. Come on, Jesus, you give us life and life abundantly. You give us joy and peace and love. And I pray today, God, that that death sentence in their heart that condemnation that's been overwhelming them, that fear that's been crippling them. God, the disconnection from you today, I pray by the mighty power of Jesus Christ that, Lord, they would be reminded today that you hold the keys of life and death and your message over them today is life. We just push back the, the, the spirit of darkness in the darkness world today and say you have no longer have the right over these people today. Come on, my second question today, you say, Ryan, I'm here today, and man, I, I want to spend an eternity with Christ. I want to spend an eternity in heaven. I want to experience life, life abundantly right now like you're talking about. And I'm not a Christian, or maybe I used to be. And man, I just want to make a fresh commitment today that I want to serve Jesus Christ. I want to give my life to him. I want to become a follower of Jesus. Well, there be eye closed today, just as we pray this last prayer here today, would you just place your hand in the air? Don't be afraid. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to pull you forward. Just put your hand in the air real quick and put it down. I'm going to pray with you. Okay, come on. Let's pray together. Church, pray with me. Lord Jesus, I come to you this morning. I give you my life. I've been lost. I've been afraid. I've been disconnected. And today, God, I give my life to you. Forgive me of every sin in my life. Wash me whiter than snow. I want to make a fresh start to serve you. I give my life to you. I acknowledge that you are God. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus.